and that is what I love about it. How people come in as strangers and ends up as family. That smile on their face while they're eating the food. And I love it. That's among the reasons why my restaurant always love an open kitchen. I have an open kitchen because I want to see the face of my guest. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Finding the right venues to work at and the right mentors to learn from can help pave the way for a hell of a career in food. But how do you find those opportunities? What options are out there to get the ball rolling and work on the art of great hospitality? Caleb Azuka is the chef and owner of Restaurant Caleb and Caleb's Culinary Foundation. Caleb, how are you? I'm doing good. It's nice to be here. <laughs> it's great to get you on the show. You've been very busy over there in WA. How, how are things over there at the moment? Uh, we still, as you know, we're in winter here, so, but WA is beautiful. We have, sometimes we have like two seasons at the same time. You have the cold and you have a summer at the same time. And uh, today is a beautiful day in Western Australia, uh, beautiful weather. And uh, in the food scene, everything is going great. So we're slowly back, uh, recovering back from COVID. You've got uh, your restaurant, uh, Restaurant Caleb, but you also have uh, Caleb's Culinary Foundation where uh, you give people a chance to sort of learn the skills and the art of hospitality. You tell us a little bit about that Culinary Foundation. Okay, so Caleb Culinary Foundation is something that I, I created uh, years ago and slowly I'm making it to stand fit on its own. So the reason why I created that was the fact that I see sometimes I see a lot of young ones and uh, and they end up on the street sometimes sadly to say like I was working in this restaurant and there was this before I owned mine there was this young kid and I wanted to employ him but my the, the owners of the restaurant wouldn't because it's just a kid on on the street trying to find his way but i'm like i wish i could create something someday that could help people like him to be able to be to take care of themselves because like today i'm a chef i own my own restaurant and my other businesses and i can take care of my family and my lifestyle because i can cook so I believe if I can equip anyone with a skill to cook, it doesn't matter, they don't have to spend many years in school. If I can equip them with a skill to cook, they can be able to take care of themselves and their loved ones, and they don't have to be on the street anymore. And that is what inspired me to open Caleb Culinary Foundation that trains young ones to be able to have the necessary skills to be able to work either in the front house as a bartender or as a, or, or, or as a server, or as a barista making coffee or behind in the kitchen uh, or, uh, as a chef or prepping food or as a cook or, or whatever they, they, they love to do in the hospitality industry. And so far we've, able, we've been able to train so far about 10 young ones that at the moment are working in different venues now, running different venues now. And I'm just proud of that, that the foundation was able to do that in a short time. The foundation was created to help young people and uh, create career paths. But what sort of impact has it had on you doing that? Doing that, I've going to have like a lot of people that are now not just friends or strangers to me, that are now like family to me. And uh, I remember a few months ago, I was really sick. I was in the hospital for a little bit. 
and uh, during this period I was worried oh what is going to happen to my restaurant and all of that because apart from my restaurant and the foundation I also own Caleb uh, uh, Specialities that does like spices and sauces and uh, helps to create my wine brand too my private level wine brand and I was worried how all of that is going to run but when these people here the about what is going on with me they all jumped in they're like what can we do when i when i recover and get back to work i'm like everything was running smoothly i'm like <laughs> like that was not needed i'm like i, I can't believe it and that is why at, at this moment like Caleb culinary foundation after what happened that happened in january or february this year i was like you know what formerly the foundation wasn't i uh, was only about 20 young ones and all of that i'm like you know what i can now invest my time to even be able to cook for the public and feed the public and as i'm speaking to you as of last month Caleb culinary foundation does not just train people anymore it also like today from 12 30 today we, we're gonna start feeding the homeless or the people that are unable or struggling families here in west around western australia like within the suburb we can reach anyone from 12 30 is welcome to come to my restaurant if they are struggling and we cook for them for free and sometimes like today i'm not i, I might not be there to be able to do it now thanks to that foundation i have a lot of people that have grown up through this foundation and they're doing good that are now stepping in and they're running it for me without me being there so it doesn't matter if i'm here in australia if anything happens to me the foundation is going to keep cooking for the disadvantage and i have chefs that i've trained now that are also helping me in training these younger people or other people to be able to do the same thing Wow, that's incredible. What, what does it take to um, put together the sort of meals and all of the infrastructure to be able to cook and, and create these meals for the disadvantaged? So, so what I did was to talk to some of my suppliers and I have a good relationship with my suppliers. If you ask any supplier, food supply in Western Australia about me, they know me. I have good relationship with them. And once a year, nobody do this. We are, I invite all my suppliers and uh, they bring some of their own wines or whatever they're doing. If they're doing seafood, like festival fish, they bring the seafood. If they're doing wine, they bring their wine, whatever it is, the supply, they all bring it. We all cook it and we invite some of the people in uh, like some of the people in the community and all around and everyone just come we eat i call it the celebration of life and sources and we just eat and drink and it's also a way for them to network and get to know other restaurant owners and other suppliers uh, to come together so when i was doing this i reached out to some of them some of them like oh i'm gonna donate this they're always like i'm gonna donate that and uh, I, I go to my local store here in subiaco and i'm like hey if you guys have anything before it really goes off and you guys know you guys are not gonna sell it can you please can i please have that I'll, it doesn't matter what it is i'll create something with it so each week we have we create different food based on what we can get from our suppliers and from the local stores and i use that in my kitchen and i and my chefs we just create up new dishes new stuff and we feed the public and then the rest of the food we just drive we put in takeaway containers and we just drive all around perf cbd and around subiaco here i am and we just distribute that all around wow You've had a fascinating life. I want to explore sort of what you're doing with Restaurant Caleb um, as we move forward. But take us back to when you were young. Um, where did you grow up and what sort of role did food play in your family? 
So origin originally I was born in Nigeria, West Africa, and the region in Nigeria where I was born is a region that is known that is the Ibos. They are known for tasty food. As a matter of fact, my my mom used to say, "Oh, the region that that I that I was born and raised that if uh, a woman doesn't know how to cook." that normally the man will marry another wife is a grant for divorce back then, many years ago. If a woman doesn't know how to cook, or if someone doesn't know how to cook, I'm like, I can't believe it. And uh, now if I should bring it back home now, now I'm at home, so most time I'm the one that cook for my wife. My wife doesn't love to cook. I'm like, oh, man, I have grants to divorce if you keep like this, but, <laughs> but that was many years ago. Now I prefer to cook for my woman than 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 for her. And so growing up in, uh, I grew up in Nigeria. At the age at an early age, eight nine, seven, eight nine, my family relocated to Italy because my dad have some uh, Italian, uh, a little bit of Italian background. So that helped him to relocate. He wanted to find more about his ancestors that he believed moved to Nigeria many years ago to start up the Catholic church and all of that in West Africa, Nigeria. And so he moved to Italy and he found a little bit to, to learn this poly in Italy. He found a little bit about uh, his uh, grandma and then after that he decided to move to Modena which is close to Bologna in Emilia Romagna so which is where I grew up in Emilia Romagna in Bologna so growing up in Bologna there was this family that uh, took us in like to me she was like a grandma to me and she also loved to cook so much. She even have a little trattoria. It's like a little family restaurant. And yeah, uh, I learned from her. I used to call her Nona till she passed away in 2011. And after she passed away was when I started going more crazy with my traveling of all around the world. So I learned from her more about Italian cuisine. And now bringing that together with my Nigerian heritage, which is where you have to make every food tastes very good so i kind of miss those two together and uh which is where if you come to my restaurant no anyone can complain all this to, uh let me say there was a lot of uh, we couldn't take care of the booking or the reservation but no one can ever complain about the food not being tasty enough it's impossible <laughs> it's impossible even though even my friends on my social media they would say the same thing if anyone complained about the food not being tasty no the person didn't come to the right restaurant i think it's a different restaurant not not to kill it so, yeah tell us a little bit more about your nonna was there any sort of dishes or did you spend time with her in the kitchen and can you tell us about that time yes i spend a lot of time so normally after school uh most of after school that case in italy we normally go to play in the park which is we normally play soccer and all the kids as school finishes let me say around uh one two o'clock and every kiss you eat quickly you run to the park and you start playing soccer but instead of that i i most time prefer to be in the kitchen with her to learn a little bit more about the cooking because i just love the smell and i just love to see everything she was doing and all of that and uh so i, I learned from her uh, the, the love of food when she's cooking she's always singing some song or humming some song which is why 
I love music when I'm cooking. Like I cannot cook without it. Music must be playing. So to, in order to enjoy that was among the reasons why even in my restaurant here, I have an open kitchen. So in that way I can hear the beautiful music playing for my guests while I'm still cooking so I can enjoy it like them. So so she, she loves to cook and she does, uh, she cooks traditional Italian cuisine, which is why I grew up learning the traditional Italian cuisine. Even though in my restaurant today, I cook my version of Italian cuisine, but tradition is always the foundation of my of my cooking so i uh, that is still me the love to cook but originally when i started in in my career i was doing to be honest i was doing music and i was also cooking as hobby and as a side stuff while starting to become an it because i love computers too like i was starting to do that then at a certain point of my life i'm like you know what i really love food is who I am and it's my way of expressing myself more. So I decided to go on full on with food and to study more about it. And I just switch off other things to focus on, on my culinary career. And I finished with a high score in, in my city. And I, when you finish with that, you're normally privileged to work with the top chefs in your city so but unfortunately i couldn't get it straight on to work with these top chefs in in my city i had to work with because back then in italy you were having fun there was like that is when the financial crisis hit like 207 208 you have the financial crisis in italy so i i was working with an agency at first i didn't love that idea but thinking about it after so many years i really love it because the agency it was back it's called the cp cooperativa that was many years ago 207 208 and i was working with this agency and they just send you all around to different restaurants or to different uh, food manufacturing company which we call like alimentari and uh, and you just work there so you're not contracted by the food in by the restaurants or the food fa factories you're contracted by the agency so in that way, uh, they send us all around to different places to work. And uh, yeah, so that gave me the ability to, I can go to any kitchen and I'll feel comfortable to work. Thanks to that experience of working in different places, uh, being sent to different places to work. Like today, I own a, a food manufacturing business that makes spices. I even have my own wine brand on it. And why? Because I worked during that, during that process in a food manufacturing company and they loved me they kept requesting for me and I worked there for a period of time even though under the agency and that food manufacturing company is called uh, it's called menu I think they're still existing today in San Felice Supanaro in Modena Italy and they're still existing today I worked there for a while and from them I learned how to how to learn about packaging, how to learn about uh, all of that, the packaging from the beginning to the start of it, which is why it was easy for me to open my own manufacturing to make spices and all of that. And I'm grateful to all those experiences that built me up while growing up in Italy. These days you're mentoring young people as we talked to at the top of, talked about at the top of the show, but tell us about when you were sort of applying your craft, who were the really important people that helped carve a path for you? Uh, for me, 
there, there was a few, but among the top of all was uh, Maximo Bottura uh, in in uh, Modena, next to Bologna. My dad worked next over there, so he told me about there. So I couldn't directly get in, but once again, thanks to the cooperative that I was saying, they were. I was fortunate a few a few times to be sent there and i i just loved that was the most growing up then i worked in different places but that was the most coolest place that i ever worked the way everything was planned the way everything was organized the way everything like everything was like it was like a different that it was like a different word to me it's like it was so different so i from there i saw the art of realizing that it's true back then in italy before all of, before tech, before technology all of everything just went crazy recently but back in italy life was a little bit italian food was all about pasta on the plate lots of pasta lots of meat just eat yourself there wasn't so much about presentation i mean the flavors were there and all of that but there wasn't the presentation and then maximo bottura was among the first few that took italian food to a different way of plating. So, which is why that opened my mind to realize, hey, you don't have to, it's not just about a tasty food chucked on the plate. The food needs to look colorful. The food needs to tell a story. The food has to represent something, a journey. And which is among the reason why, if, if you look on my social media, or if you come to my restaurant, my food is not just about this is ravioli is on the plate or this is a gnocchi is on the plate. It's colorful, it's beautiful, it tells a story. It, tells, it talks about my journey around the world, cooking all around the world. And Maximo Boutreau was one of them, which impart me even down to this day. And another one of them was this, fr uh, this chef in France. He wasn't that big, uh, Chef Tommaso, but I worked with him in, in Marseille. He was really great. He was French Italian and he helped me a lot when it comes to the art of plating. So not just looking beautiful, not just tasty, but when it comes to the art, like art of plating of, and also a combination of Italian and French coming together to form something unique. Then I moved to the United States. There was uh, Michael Bologna. Man, he was old school Italian. Oh my God. <laughs> he was like a soldier. Walking there was like I was in the military camp. It was different. You cannot be late. You have to come at least 30 minutes before your arrival time. Your chef coat must be ironed, must be clean. You're walking proud of what you're doing, not just walking in like another day in, 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 in something, but you, you have to be happy about what you're doing. So I learned discipline from Michael Bologna and I learned consistency, discipline and attention to details from Michael Bologna. So I remember back then, like nowadays in Australia, I'll give you a typical example. Let me say someone is walking in the kitchen with you and he's, he's doing something wrong and you just hate him. What are you doing? Cause of fight, you know? He'll be like, oh my God, he'll start crying. You know, you start crying. Next minute, you're being reported to fair work and all of that. So you can do that. But back in, in Michael Bologna's restaurant in Woodstock, Georgia, in Vincenzo, where I was working, this guy will hit you, be like, what are you doing? You can't do that. No, what are you doing? Think. 
Uh, you know, so I learned to be tough. I learned to be disciplined. I learned to be like, to be proud of what I'm doing from, and consistency in what I'm doing. And to, to really, really love what you're doing and to, to stand up for it from Michael Bologna. And then there was Chef Piero. Chef Piero, uh, from him, I, I learned food is like, it's like almost like royalty cooking. So when you're cooking and you're cooking for the right people, that it takes you to a whole different level of life. So, and Chef Piero is still there in Preachy in Atlanta, Georgia, down to this day. And the restaurant is Preachy. I worked with him. Uh, I learned from him, not for so long. He was more of a mentor to me than the place where I work. He was trying to mentor me to become, because he said he believed he could see a potential in me and he wanted to build that love gently in a loving way. And uh, Chef Piero helped me to, to, to realize if I do the job and dedicate myself to it, I could be cooking for celebrities, government officials, top people, and all of that. And uh, back then, I remember he was cooking for the likes like Austria, the musicians, and the Italian ambassador, prime ministers of Italy when they come to the United States in Atlanta. He was cooking for them. He invited me just to make me understand to be proud and to appreciate that cooking is something everyone would love from any level of life and uh, which have shaped me down to this day to be proud of what I'm doing. I take pride to be a chef and I give my best to it. And and he was right about it because today, like a few weeks ago, last week ago, we cooked for the our new premiere of Western Australia. And few a few days ago, we were cooking for some celebrities from Africa with over 10 million on Instagram. They love it. This it was the best food they've ever eaten to the point even following me on my Instagram. They invited me now to come to Africa to do cooking shows for them. And and I can't believe it that I'm like, Chef Piero, you're right about it. You're right that when I love what I'm doing, give my best to it, do it because I love it. Don't think about the rewards. Someday you will be cooking. Like I was chilling behind the stage with this celebrity with 10 million followers that people paid, driving with him in his car when he was in Perth. Why? Because he loved my food. And food is something I would tell everyone, if you know what you're doing and you love it, you're doing it not for the money, and you're doing it because you love it, it will take you a whole long way, believe me. How did you end up in Australia? Oh, man. Australian woman. <laughs> Australian woman. I, I met my wife when I was back in the United States. And the United States, I won, it was this award, Chef Extraordinaire, that I won uh, back, I won the first one back in 2015. And uh, being a renowned chef or award-winning chef in the United States is different from Australia. When you win there in the United States, because there's so many chefs, so many restaurants, and the United States is quite vast and, and big. So when you win that, that's explode that like people keep talking about it and uh, so winning that and being the among the few rare, I should say. African Italian back then in the United States. So everyone was just talking about this new kid that grew up in Italy originally from Africa and he just won these awards. And uh, so after winning that, it put me out there and I started doing like cooking shows. Like during the summer, I cook in different, my managers took care of it. I cook in different uh, states. So I did a show in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, my partner then, she came as a, uh, she came as as one of the guests to watch it and then when i went to florida to uh, he, she also came to it and then my manager's like hey there's this beautiful girl that's been f 
for coming to your show. She came to Atlanta. Now she's here. She loves what you're doing. She's visiting from Australia from the record we have on the people that book bought the ticket. Uh, just come say hello to her. Then I used to be so grumpy. I'm like, nah, nah, I don't want. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And he's like, come on, just say hi. What is it going to cost you? I came out to say hi. I saw how beautiful she is. I'm like, mama mia, do you want to learn how to make a mozzarella? <laughs> so from making the mozzarella, we end up getting married in a venue that I was running back then in uh, in the States called uh, Zola Italian in Milton, Georgia. And we end up getting married there uh, in less than a year. Uh, we got married in 2015 in november 2015 and then after we got married i was applying for her uh, green card and all of that and she's like i'm going back home i'm like because i teach you what do you mean you're going back home like this is your home i'm already applying for your papers girl and she's like no you guys are crazy everyone is everyone is carrying the gun and all of that that australia is different no one is carrying a gun it's more safe if you're gonna have kids you can't have kids in the country here it's not this safe and i thought she was joking she came back to australia she's a personal trainer and a very good one and when she came back i'm like oh who doesn't love america give her a few months she's gonna come back to the states so i gave her three months four months she didn't come back and then i saw she was chatting with one of her old friend that is also a personal trainer and this guy's bigger than me i'm like dude you gotta go get your woman <laughs> So I came to Australia to come get my woman. And that was my first time in Australia. I'm like, wow, it's really different, you know? It's, as they call it, the, the Aussie way, take it easy, you know? So everyone was taking it easy. In America, it's like, go, 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 you know? You have to be at the brain. You have to, you also, you always have to level up, showing off to people that you don't even, that they even, you don't even know. And it's, you're right here, you can wear a flip flop or slippers and walk around the street and no one cares who you are. And I love that about Western Australia, how you can be yourself and you could be real. And uh, so I end up staying here, instead of convincing her, I end up staying here and applied for, as a matter of fact, about a year ago, I became a citizen and I took to become an Australian. And so far, I'm loving it, thanks to her. Yeah, it was, the, it was the best decision with COVID that happened and all of that was the best decision I ever did moving from the States to here. Well, there's a lot of people loving um, the fact that you're here as well. Tell us a little bit about Restaurant Caleb and um, is there a dish or two you can talk about that sort of exemplifies your food? Yeah, so when, when I opened Restaurant Caleb, I was just thinking, because before that I had a different restaurant called The Corner Italian. But The Corner Italian, I realized I was trying to place everyone it was i was just doing what everyone was doing traditional italian marinara uh mussels and all of that which there's nothing wrong with that carbonara amatriciana they are all traditional italian cooking there's nothing wrong with that but that wasn't me though me i travel all around the world me is made up of africa nigeria tasty me is made up of italy which is the foundation of my cooking. Me is made up of the France, the United States, traveling to Puerto Rico, Costa Rica. All of that shaped who I am and those experiences shaped who I am. I travel all around the world to see how different countries cook Italian cuisine so I could pick the best of that to create me. So when I was doing those dishes, even though everyone loved it and everything, but 
I wasn't true to myself. It was like I was trained away who I am. So when I opened restaurant in Caleb, I told myself this restaurant, which is why I gave it my name. I didn't give it any any kind of name. I gave it my name and I wanted to represent my life, my journey, my story. So my food is based on the country I am and allowing all the countries I have been through to influence that. It's still Italian, but it's my version of Italian cuisine based on my trip around the world. And one of those dishes that speaks about that, for example, is my burrata, the, which they call the famous burrata because everyone talks about it and loves it. So my burrata, uh, I, I, I create that, make using fresh milk, pasteurized milk from here in Western Australia and with using non-animal rennets, I, I turned that into a mozzarella ball and then after that I stuffed that with mascarpone cheese from Puglia, Italy and Puglia is known to make the best mascarpone on the planet. I stuffed that with mascarpone cheese from Puglia, Italy and then I infused that with truffle honey from Margaret River. So now it's like bringing the best of Italy and the base of Australia, Western Australia, which is truffle honey in, in Margaret River is mamma mia, it's so good, it's so delicious. So bringing those two together, stuffing that into this mozzarella bowl, and then I tie it with my signature. In the United States, I'm known to always tie my burrata with leek, which is how I won my first award. It's like my signature around the world. So I tie it with my blanched salted leek, which is the green that represents earth, freshness, with that. Why I do that is when you make the burrata, it stays in the fridge in the cold water for a few days. When the lick changes color, that means that burrata is not fresh. And that means my customers could know it's not fresh. So that tells me, hey, the, that lick almost have to look green, represent earth, fresh. So that means every time I serve that, it represents that freshness. My guests can see that it's fresh and it's made. And so that's how I make my burrata ball. It's almost like a flower. The top of it, I twist the top of it. So it looks almost like a flower blooming up, like a new beginning, new era. And then I put that on the plates that is designed with black and white, which represents different cultures uniting together. So white truffle cream, and then 24 years old balsamic vinegar from Modena, demarcating the burrata just on the center of this. And when you call that, you mix all of that together. And, and on the white cream, you have a basil dot emulsion, three dots of basil emulsion, and three dots of paprika oil emulsion. And those two represent the cultures I come from, which is a little bit spicy, which is the paprika and the green representing oatness, freshness, planet Earth. So my dishes are about my life, they're about my story, and people love it. One of my guests two years ago tried that dish when I only opened my restaurant. That was uh, when we were just, uh, sorry, a year ago, they tried it. That was when they, we were just opened up before before COVID, when we, before we get to the complete lockdown during COVID. And one of my guests just tried it, and uh, he's from Singapore. He really, really loved it. So when he went back to Singapore, he loved it so he owned a restaurant back then i didn't know he even owned a restaurant he sent me an invitation to come to singapore and to cook those 
that dishes and he was connected with the Australian High Commissioner in Singapore and I cooked that for 50 people in one of his restaurants in Singapore it's called Spruce Restaurant and there was all of these official all of these people which now they are all friends. We all speak on social media. They're inviting me again to come this year in September. I'm still seeing if I can make it. They love the burrata so much that I have to go to Singapore to teach the team over there, his restaurant, how to make my burrata. And every year they buy the truffle here from Western Australia, from David Kuma in Manjimab, they buy the truffle and they take it to Singapore so that they can, like they did it early this, so uh, late last year, so that they could make the burrata the same way that I make it using my truffle honey. And that is just an example of how good that people love, people love it. If I was doing the traditional Italian burrata, which you can find everywhere, which is just salt and uh, stracciatella and, and inside the mozzarella bowl, nothing wrong with that. It's, it's not going to make a difference, but because I was doing, being true to myself and creating my version, that's the reason why I and my team, we flew to Singapore, put in the best hotel, treated like royalties that I didn't want to come back to Perth anymore because I love the treatment. <laughs> for, for, for just a burrata, and we have to do a degustation. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not just going to come to just do a burrata for you guys. I have to do a whole degustation. So you end up doing five course degustation. And guess what? The whole wine we use all came from Western Australia. So I went to all the winemakers from Gabin Estates. I went to Gabin Estates. I took some of their wine. They're beautiful family making wines for a while now. Their legacy in Western Australia. I used their wine and I export that to Singapore. I took some of my own wine, export all of that to Singapore, and we use Western Australian wine for this big event. Just an example of how one dish changed people and what it results, which is why I encourage everyone, even me myself, to keep being you when you're cooking. Don't try to be anyone. Be you, but learn from the best people, and then you be you, and you'll be fine. And uh, yeah, and another dish is the ragu australiana, which normally in Italy, when making a ragu, you use just pork and beef. But the problem with that is, which everyone will tell you, is it can be very fatty because you use pork shoulder and beef and all of that. The dish can be very fatty, fatty and oily. So what I do, I infuse mine in Australia. What is Australia known for? Kangaroo. I add a little bit of kangaroo to that. And we cook it on a low heat for about eight to 10 hours with some rosemary, fresh basil and all of that in a good tomato, fresh tomato sauce. We bake it in the oven. After that, we finish it in the wood fire oven for a few more minutes. So the rusticness of the wood can get into the sauce. And after that, we shred everything down together. But the beautiful thing is the leanness of the kangaroo balance the fatness of the beef and the pork so you don't have the fattiness anymore. And that's why I call the dish ragu. Australiana, which means Australian ragu, because we have kangaroo in it. So. The first eight years of your life was spent in Nigeria. Have you explored Nigerian food uh, professionally as well? Uh, professionally, at the moment, I know it's okay. I can say it because it's regardless, it's gonna be there. I saw last year after my last award, someone someone contacted me 
from uh, they they make series of most of this uh, she showed me her content most of the stuff we, we see on channel 9 channel 10 some of the tv series she's the one that her company created it and she contacted me and she says she want to explore what being me is my heritage everything so and the african cuisine so and she believed that after doing it she can be able to add out to one of the big tv TV station. So it's all about African cuisine, but the Aussie way for Africans in Australia that 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 are that are cooking their traditional food, but they cannot find the ingredients here, but they're using Australian produce to create African cuisine, which has been happening at home. I cook African cuisine sometimes because I want my kids to know about their traditional food, not just pasta, <laughs> not just pasta and all of that. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but I also want them to start at home. I cook African so my kids can understand. My friends or my celebrity friends that travels all the way from Africa to perform here in Australia, I cook African cuisine for them because my parents make sure of that that we know about african cuisine so i can cook that but not professionally like in my restaurant but there's about two or three restaurants right now in western australia that are doing african cuisine and uh most of them like out of the two of two or three of them i've spoken of dining at, uh, at some of these places i helped them when they were opening the open less than a year ago i helped them out and show them how to balance it out a little bit with everything and uh the show that we're going to be doing soon is going to be about these restaurants and showing how to use australian produce to create African cuisine once again is a combination of Australia and for the first time uh, we're going to be creating African Australian cuisine which is doesn't exist so yes we're exploring at the moment I'm exploring African cuisine and trying to understand it more than what I already know and now trying to find a way to create it uh, to, to bring that like we have like for example we have French Italian we have it, uh, Asian infused Italian and all of that like my food in my restaurant is a combination of Australian Asian and uh, Italian coming together and American and African to create something unique even though it's more of Italian so for the first time we're gonna be having african uh real african food but now in in australian westernized version of it so which is something never done before but i'm already working on that it's something planned for the future and that i'm so excited about and the tv show is also going to be bringing more about that uh, like for example hitch if i should tell you okra for example if you go to the store you see okra and some of us don't know how to cook okra but as an african cuisine that shows you how to cook that beautiful vegetable the okra as a soup and you eat it with a dumpling and it's so delicious and look out for the show you're gonna be seeing that it's called africa the aussie way so it's gonna be coming up soon hopefully in uh, in less than a year it should be airing and it's gonna be how to showcase how to help fellow australians to celebrate the african cuisine and see how they can play around with the food that is served vegetables they see in the local stores how to play around with it to create something unique so yeah well Caleb you're doing such extraordinary things what do you love about what you do honestly what I love so much about this is how you can 
how people coming into my life like every night i see different people like tonight i have a cooking class at my restaurant it's different faces different people and at first they come in as strangers and when they are leaving after we share some bread we have some wine and all of that they are living no more as strangers they are living as friends and after they come a couple of times they get to know me better i get to know them better they become family and that is what i love about it how people come in as strangers and ends up as family that's mine on their face where they're eating the food and i, I love it that's among the reason why my restaurant I always love an open kitchen. I have an open kitchen because I want to see the face of my guests. There's no demarcation like any blinds, any 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 glasses separating me from my guests. Now I want them to see me. I want them to see the action, and I want to see their face as they are eating it. And if sometimes I give an example, some guests don't like spicy. Some love spice. Let me say, I see some guests from their facial expression. I can understand how they're feeling about the food. So I would just come out of my kitchen, walk to the table. Hey, how you doing? How is the food? Be honest to me. I just want to know how do you like it? And they're like, oh, I would like a little bit of more chili to it. It's not spicy enough. Or I would like a little bit of more this to it. I'm like, yeah, it's not a problem. Give it to me. I'll take it back. I'll make it for you. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, watch me. Oh, you can watch me. You can come closer even today. Come, come closer and watch me do it for you. And they come closer and I do it. That just creates a bond. And I feel like my guests love me not because of how tasty the food is or any of that is because of the personal connection that i have with them like i remember the first time for example the the premier of my back then he wasn't the premier he was the the, the minister of tourism for western australia came to my restaurant i i treat i don't even know who he was i don't know who the minister of tourism was but because of the treatment that i gave him he gave me his car introduced himself i'm like oh wow thank you so much and then we became like friends and now he's the premier but imagine that i didn't care who he is now he won't be dining at my restaurant i was the first restaurant he dined after he became a premier like he i wouldn't have that that relationship with them uh, the same with the other people that comes to my restaurant i wouldn't know what is happening that families are really struggling if I didn't speak to my guests, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you for a while. How's your son? How's he going? And I always oh, struggling a little bit. I'm like, you know what? That's among the reasons why I opened to start cooking for the disadvantage and encouraging other chefs to join me, which at the moment I have different chefs joining me and I'm encouraging them not just to come here to join me, but to do that in their own suburbs. So in that way, they can keep, they, if they can take care of their own suburb, and I take care of my own suburb and we all take care of our own suburb. We end up making sure that no one in the Western Australian suburb is going to bed hungry. And that is my goal and that is my dream. And that's what I love about the industry, how you can impart people through food and they can become a lifetime friendship with people through your cooking. That's just what I love about it. Well, Caleb, it's extraordinary what you're doing. It's an absolute honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'd love to catch up again soon. Thank you so much. It's really an honor. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast. 
or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.